Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Four Roads special edition. Uh, as you can tell, it's uh, Friday when this is coming out, and that means it's it's me that you're stuck with. I'm sorry. Uh, so this is, of course, one of my short interview special editions. Uh, so there's no Andrew. And instead, I'm joined by uh, James Brown of Four Roads. James, thanks very much for making the time to come on. Thanks for having me, Alan. It's nice to meet you. And, and likewise. Uh, so really, people are going to be sitting at home now or sitting in the car and they're wondering uh, what Four Roads is and why I'm, I'm speaking to you. So do you want to give a, is it possible for you to give a, a sort of short introduction to, to Four Roads, uh, what you do, what you're about, all that kind of jazz? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so although uh, although we are called Four Roads um, and we, we do work in the automotive sector, um, roads is a little misleading. We do we do work um, across a range of sectors, one of which is automotive. Um, we're based in Stonely Park, very close to Warwick University. And um, for anyone who uh, enjoys going to the kit car show, the national kit car show, then there's a strong likelihood that they've been to the um, to the park at, at some point. I mean, I used to come to this park when I was when I was an eight year old with my dad, and uh, you know, 30, 35 years later, they're they're still running the the national kit car show, which which is great, amongst other uh, car shows. Um, so, Four Roads, um, we are we're a digital agency um, with a with a global presence and what we focus on is what we call intelligent self-service and essentially what that means is that we understand that customers want to interact with brands across all of these different channels so it could be an online community could be a chatbot could be even using emerging technologies like ar vr but the one thing customers expect from brands is that they get a consistent offering um, a consistent service and that those channels all become connected and that's essentially what intelligent self-service is. So if you have, for example, someone who goes to your website and then decides to uh, go onto the chatbot to perhaps book a test drive, um, ideally, we would start to have some information about that particular uh, customer or prospective customer. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's Four Roads. Um, as I said, we've worked... Um, We've worked uh, with a number of automotive clients. Um, uh, you know, we've we've done some interesting projects. Obviously, being Warwickshire, uh, based in Warwickshire, you probably know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I've got your website open in in front of me here, and and I I love the project that you did with Aston Martin, uh, Lagonda, yeah. which is is obviously one of your one of your case studies. Uh, yes. On there. Do you yes. Wanna, can can you take a couple of minutes to, to talk about that? I assume you can, given it's on your website. It's, it's... yeah. Well, now that it's in the public domain, yeah. uh, we we can we can certainly talk about the uh, the project that we did for Aston Martin. So, Aston Martin are twenty twenty five minutes from uh, where we're currently located. They're based, obviously, as we all know, in, in Gaydon, and um, they were looking for a local development partner a few years ago, and uh, they happened to come across Four Roads. And we've worked on a variety of interesting projects, but the one that you're referring to, Alan, and probably the one that uh, got the most uh, the most attention, certainly, you know, got some interesting coverage, um, was the um, was the project which essentially focused on uh, providing customers with some kind of record of their car being built. Yeah. And what we actually did um, for that particular project is we installed um, DSLR cameras mm-hmm. on the production line. 
across all various parts of the production line. And we wrote some software that essentially allowed us to capture images of those cars as they go down the production line. And uh, what the what the owner gets when they uh, when they receive their car is this beautifully presented birth certificate showcase showcasing the whole end to end process of their of their car being produced. The only downside of that project uh, was initially when we rolled it out, uh, we hadn't quite anticipated how many Aston Martin owners would actually want the book. And uh, <laughs> what a terrible problem to have! Yeah. yeah well, at four hundred fifty pounds a book, I'm sure Aston Martin were, were, were quite happy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was incredible. You know, most most owners decided actually that they did want a record of their car being their car being built. So what we actually had to do, and subsequently we we ended up delivering as a sort of a second phase for that project, is we wrote um, some software, which basically detects those images that aren't that great. So mm-hmm. you know, if someone's kind of leaning over in front of the car, well, actually we we probably wanted to discard that image. And originally that was all being manually done, um, which as you can imagine, there's a lot of images for people to sort of work their way through. So we've now, as I said, we've we've built um, you know actually using AI, uh, we built we built some. Um, software that allows us mm-hmm. to kind of identify those images that we probably don't don't want to keep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great great project. Um, one one that certainly you know we we enjoy talking about, and uh, you know keen to see if any other um, OEMs end up emulating what what Aston mm-hmm. Martin did there. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's a, it's a really cool one. So uh, that project is 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 awesome, but it's not the original reason why i i asked you on because okay i i get lots and lots of we get lots of releases come through and lots of we think this this person would be really interesting on on the podcast and they're talking about some new finance deal on cars or something it's just like no uh so but so for for, for something to stand out it's going to be quite impressive but it, and it was it was a press release that, that came through and it was all about transforming dealerships now we oh, right yes yes on the news show we obviously it's one of the, the primary things in, in in uk automotive recently has been just dealerships being closed uh, dealerships having challenges getting back on stream again and, and getting people back into the dealerships to to, right. to buy new cars uh, and the challenges they're having because traditional sales techniques uh, didn't really work during the sort of the, the sort of covid lockdown times that we've had so far anyway uh, and you guys have some opinions on that we do so do you want to outline the problem and and, and what you what you how you think that can be solved and, and what dealerships can do yeah definitely i mean as you, as you said it's it's a really interesting area um we've obviously had the opportunity to work with um a few automotive clients over the years so we've got a sense as to some of the pain points that they've got um coupled with that um we ended up finding ourselves in a bit of an interesting position um, over the course of the last 15 months where we were essentially helping brands uh, move from having live events to purely digital. So what we started to consider was how the tech that we've been building to help brands like Bridgestone and eBay move to purely digital offering could essentially be applied um, to other sectors and, and one that's definitely of interest to us mm-hmm. is, is automotive so, so um, taking quite a lot of sort of either be uh, business to business stuff or 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 yeah large enterprise tech essentially exactly. solutions and scaling them for 
you know your 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 local dealership that kind of idea exactly but that's as you said is um you know that's that's quite tricky particularly with the um particularly with the automotive sector Mm -hmm. so you know undeniably the automotive sector was hit really hard we we know that um we you know we saw i think it was 37 percent um of car sales sort of just dropping um over the course last 12 15 months um which has been pretty pretty tragic um for the for the automotive sector i think coupled with that um the automotive sector has always felt like it's been behind other sectors in terms of digital transformation Mm -hmm. um i i think there's probably two reasons for that i think one of the reasons is that um these dealerships have been using complex legacy systems so you know they're they're kind of wedded (laughs) they're kind of wedded to, to to systems and um you know applications which you know i would i would I would suggest are probably well due an update. Yeah, from from my background yeah. uh, and my day job, as as regular listeners are aware, um, I, I, trust me when I say that these are are either one up from green screen terminals, if or they old, are green screen, or they are green screen terminals. Yeah, uh, yeah, or, or or they're a reskin of a green screen terminal. Exactly. It, they really, as as far as you know, someone who ends up dealing with application life cycles and stuff, it's it's way it's it's dark ages guys you could run this on a 486 you could definitely probably run it on a 486 run it on my phone i think actually yeah. well yeah so there's a lot of work to be done um i think coupled with that is there is or there has been a very sort of traditional approach to selling mm-hmm. and i think the sales process has has moved on somewhat um but i think you know if you think about um you know, if you think about the term dealer, you know, dealership, you know, I'm not sure if you've discussed this on your on, on previous podcasts, but, you know, the whole term dealer suggests there's a deal to be done. There's some form of negotiation that's got to take place. You know, it suggests that actually the dealership is the final destination. And, um, you know, our view is actually that's that's no longer the case. The dealership is just one of many touch points um, that a customer can interact with you. So, yeah, I think, you know, the the reality is, you know, one in five customers are pretty dissatisfied um, with the sales process. There's now, obviously, the third-party platforms, uh, which are heavily involved um, when mm-hmm. customers are, are thinking about what car they're going to purchase. So, you know, 88% of customers are using something like Parker's or, or indeed CarWow. Um, as part of that decision-making process, so there's there's quite a lot of moving parts, um, you know, when it comes to um, when it comes to someone deciding to to purchase a car. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I think the good news, um, which you know you can see across all the different sectors, um, is that you know, dare I say it, the pandemic does force innovation. Mm. Oh yeah, um, definitely, definitely. You know, that's that's generally, you know, one of the good things that comes up with a pandemic. You see innovation and you see lots of startups doing some really exciting things. Um, so that's, you know, so that's great. Um, you know, and I think we started to see um, big ticket purchases like mm-hmm. cars 
feeling like it kind of was being normalized. You know, you could finally buy a car over the web, um, which I think, you know, probably pre-COVID, you wouldn't see too many examples of that happening. I think 15, 18 months ago, then the then that would have been almost unheard, unheard of that people would consider exactly. doing that. I mean, I, I'm... James probably doesn't know, but but everybody, most of our regular listeners do that. I'm based in Corby in Northamptonshire, so I'm surrounded by the big online, uh, online, essentially car dealerships. Um, they've got all their their depots and collection areas are all are all round about here. So yeah, I, I see it all the time. Uh, on to, however, I leave the town, there is a there is a, a there is a, a car zam van or a you know forgot the other one because is it because yeah there's so many i get them all mixed up now um but yeah you, you you can't can't move for them and and so yeah just 18 no, months ago it wouldn't have been the case you can't i think i think the also the other interesting thing you know obviously with automotive and other sectors we saw we certainly saw them dipping their toes in the water so mm-hmm. uh you know for example um a lot of the OEMs were creating these sort of dealerships in their in their HQ, and if you were interested in a in a make of a car or a model of a car, they would go around with a camera and they would they would talk you around the car, which um, you know I think is it's a good start, mm-hmm. um, but you know it's it's by no means the only thing that these um, these dealerships could be doing. Um, I think also what I found quite interesting in the pandemic is obviously. We saw subscription services and even pre-COVID, um, you know, the likes of Volvo with their subscription services. Yeah. But I think what we started to see is actually these dealerships were being put to work in different ways. You know, so for example, you know, JLR for £750 a month, you can you can have a car for six months and then at the end of that six months, you can you can chop it in for another one. Um, the, the company which I thought did some really interesting things um, in the pandemic was DS. So mm-hmm. what DS, and you, you, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure your audience have seen it as well, but DS basically said, you know, we recognize that lifestyles have changed. They are changing for good. And there's a good possibility you may not need two cars anymore in your household. So what we're going to do is we're going to essentially rent you that second vehicle as and when you need it. And, um, you know, I think that was a that was a really interesting um, kind of position that DS took rather than just trying to flog you a second car. They actually said, well, you know, we, we get it. You know, a lot of households are now moving to one car households, but you may occasionally need a second one. DS are in a fantastic position to be able to do stuff like that, really. Um, just being, I, I guess, as being a, a sort of a a minor brand. But, yeah. uh, uh, but a sort of, uh, but quite a relatively prestigious brand within a big group. Then it's a then, really interesting one, isn't it? Then they they are in a, a great position to be flexible and innovative and and to be used as a proof of proof of application, I guess, for these kind of things before Definitely. rolling it out to a bigger brand to 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 Peugeot to to Citroen. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they they're kind of the test bed, and um, you know, I think they get a certain level of level of autonomy to be able to sort of test these test these mm-hmm. ideas like the the second vehicle and, and renting out so yeah i think you know it was really good to see uh, you know forward thinking brands doing doing um doing initiatives like that i think also you know if you look at ds you know they don't have a huge number of dealerships around uh, around the country um and i think what we're going to see and we're already actually starting to see it is a reduction 
of dealerships. So, so retail broadly accounts for one third of the price of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the cost of electrification is now really forcing these OEMs to seriously look at their retail costs. Um, and one of the ways to do that is essentially to, re- to reduce the retail, uh, the number of retail outlets that they have. So in the future, you know, I think it's going to be quite commonplace uh, for people such as you and I to get in a car and drive for 30 minutes before we get to the dealership. Um, but that will become less of a concern because, as I said um, at the beginning of our conversation, the dealership will just become another touch point for a customer. It mm. won't be seen as that final that final destination. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, totally agree. And we see that with um, with Genesis uh, and what they're saying about doing as as they introduce, as you know, but you know, and Kia introduce the the brand into the UK. I mean, uh, um, yeah. So that there is, is another another, I guess, brand that's going to have space for some innovation that that that's intending and working in that kind of way sorry i hope i'm not putting words into your mouth it's just no no not this does actually interest me i i am that sad uh and me i'm just that's, a sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's great about once people have decided to buy but what about the stages before that what what are you thinking about for that uh initial engagement and that initial educating people about the the product because as you said, yeah. we're more comfortable with the idea of, of a big ticket item, especially now that people are mostly buying by monthlies rather than paying in cash and right. buying a lump sum. Then, so how will you actually get them from thinking about uh, potentially, you know, brand A to actually going through and deciding that brand A is is the vehicle that they want to be driving for the next the next two, three, four years? Yeah, so... You know, it's a really good question. Um, so, you know, I think all these channels now, even even when you get to the, the dealership, um, has to be positioned in a, in, a, in a totally different way to how it's been done historically. So, you know, even the dealership is a place where you come to browse, you come to discover. Um, it's not where you, you have a 20-minute 20, 20 test drive and then you end up trying to negotiate a deal. But I think, um, you know, some of the some of the interesting things that we're seeing um, and the things that really excite us is how we can we can use digital. So, as I said, we worked heavily um, with brands, supporting them with running um, digital events, and a lot of those events were immersive. So, you know, you can kind of if you can imagine you kind of navigating around an event. Um, you're able to go through to you know a breakout room, or you're able to go to a plenary or even indeed a networking terrace and, and connect with other people. And the one thing that you quickly realize with any kind of immersive online experience is that it doesn't have any of the physical limitations or constraints that you have with a physical dealership. And that's really exciting from a from a, an OEM's perspective, because as you know, when you go to a dealership, the one thing the dealership is having to consider is what cars it's going to essentially put in front of customers. And they will obviously chop and change them regularly, um, but they are limited in, 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 in what they can put in front of customers. Those limitations don't exist digitally. So you can show historic models, you can indeed show future models, or you can at least give you know teasers to future mm-hmm. models. I think you know if you've got an interesting motorsport heritage, for example, that becomes really that becomes really interesting because actually you can start to show your association with motorsport, which we know a lot of these OEMs heavily invest in. So they want they want consumers to know about. 
Um, I've got in my mind a virtual sort of manifestation of Mercedes-Benz world down at Brooklands. It's a great example. Where there's a bit of everything. There's history, there's current, there's there's motorsport, you know, the fantastic Formula One car that's exploded in midair. So a sort of absolutely perfect version of that without, you know, other visitors and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, the 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 opportunity for discovery um when it comes to um digital is is endless and i you know it, it's it's incredibly exciting and you know i think we're going to start to see um we're just going to see an increasing investment in mm-hmm. um in these kind of 3d immersive spaces i think the other the other interesting component is, is so that's kind of the discovery piece but there's also the connection piece so I don't know about you. Um, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to buying cars. Um, so what what I typically do is I join countless Facebook groups. Um, I will watch endless YouTube videos, and you know that for me is all kind of you know it's important to have that social proofing mm-hmm. when I'm going through the car buying process. Now, what the opportunity is for auto automotive OEMs is to rather than have all these conversations happening over on these social networks is actually to say do you know what let's bring the conversation over to our space so let's let's you know let's not dominate the conversation but let's let's own the conversation let's really get insights into what our customers or prospective customers want Mm -hmm. and you know i I don't know um if you've been to uh caffeine and machine which is 20 minutes i was just thinking about it earlier on because that was the last time i drove past stonely park was about three weeks ago uh, on okay. my way to caffeine and machine yes go i'm it's glad been to hear you've been times, there yeah 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 well it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a firm favorite of mine on a saturday afternoon mm. um but it's um you know it's it's a, it's a place where people congregate it's a safe space um there are you know there are countless conversations happening between people who are considering buying cars and, and indeed people who are who are buying cars so you know, if you think about kind of a digital caffeine machine, that's quite quite exciting. That's so true. Um, so, say regular listeners are incredibly aware that that I have a a limited edition car. Uh, anytime I'm at caffeine machine, I I found myself standing there having to explain it to people uh, if they know what it is right. to begin with, uh, and then it's it it, it yeah. There's always a conversation about people who are interested, maybe looking to buy one, have heard of it, want to know more. Exactly what you're saying. Mm. Exactly what definitely. you're saying. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's, you know, there's, there's, there's as you know, there's the discovery piece, there's the the connection piece. I think also um, people are more uh, conscious of environmental and sustainability. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the um, you know, one of the things that's quite interesting is how you can use digital to, to basically educate people. So, uh, for example, this this week, I saw a really interesting application uh, where augmented reality was used uh, by Porsche to basically explain how uh, how their battery technology works in their in their new EVs. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can do digitally where it can add real value that if you were to try and replicate that physically, I think there there would be some challenges doing so. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, or, or it would be one of those those one off motor show stand uh, exhibits, you know that that kind of thing. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. 
that's great but where's the driver going to come for this is it going to come from the big dealer groups is it going to come from the manufacturers themselves is it going to come from independence? Because we've we've already said that that most dealerships aren't working on, you know, the latest, greatest, snazziest software. It's 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 a reskin of a reskin. Yeah. So I think it's going to. I mean, and it is. It's already coming from the OEM. So I think a really interesting example of this at the moment is what Volvo are doing. I um, I don't know if you've seen, but obviously. As a lot of these OEMs are saying, you know, they're putting a stake in the ground and they're saying we will be pure EV. Well, mm-hmm. they've actually gone a step further than that. So they've actually said we're going to be purely EV by 2030, but all our cars will also be sold online by 2030. Now, what that means in practice is that they are not getting rid of all their dealerships, mm-hmm. but because ultimately pricing is bigger, is going to become more transparent. What we're going to see is um, essentially those salespeople and the dealers are going to be interacting with the same browser um, web or, or web solution that you and I would interact with at home. Mm-hmm. So you can go into the dealership, you know, you can you can you can essentially um, work alongside your salesperson to purchase the car that you want to your desired specification, but ultimately they won't be using a different system to you, which is currently the situation. So yeah. it will be the same solution. It'll be a web-based solution, and, and they will be they will be basically um, accessing it. I think the other thing that we're going to see, and once again, I think this is being um, is being driven by the OEMs, is um, is more kind of uh, Tesla petite gallery stores. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're already seeing um, a lot of the OEMs are starting to reposition dealerships to stores again polestar as you were talking about volvo polestar polestar being being an example they've got one in the trafford center and they've got one at uh, westfield as well so as do tesla yeah yeah um and i think the whole you know there's gonna there's a whole mindset shift here isn't there you know it's 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 less thinking about cars in terms of you know i'm going to buy a car it's more kind of buying a mobility solution based on usage a bit like the mm-hmm. you know the um the subscription service that we we spoke about with with jlr um and i think um you know the the really the really interesting piece for me and the thing i'm really curious about is to see how we are going to transition to mobility services so mm-hmm. it's going to say well actually what we recognize james as a customer is that actually five days a week you need access to a small vehicle two weeks of the year you need access to a, an estate to take your family on holiday yeah uh, and, and that's what's going to get really interesting is moving away from this kind of traditional kind of have a car keep it for three years move into another car we, we buy the car th- for 365 days a year for four or five years purely based on 14 days of the year's worth of traveling Exactly. Uh, I really see it. There was, there's, there's, a, there's been a big EV-based debate on Twitter uh, over the last couple of days, uh, and it's uh, and it and it's that it's it's people having to, you know, buying for the exceptions uh, and not for what they actually do every day. Uh, and exactly. that's what that, that helps solve. Exactly. You know, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. You know, it's it's this 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 more customer centric approach is is about creating convenience. I think, you know, 
when we're thinking about brands outside of automotive that we should be looking at, we should be looking at, you know, the likes of Amazon, the, the likes of Netflix, you know, in terms of what they do from a sort of a personalization perspective. So giving you content that's relevant mm-hmm. and, you know, ultimately providing you with a, you know, a, a really good customer experience. Um, uh, and as I also said, I think also the mentality around shifting cars has now has now moved on. Um, I think Apple. If you you know, if you how own did Apple I guess device, Apple were going to be mentioned at some well, point in this? Unfortunately, they do set the bar, don't they? And they do, you yeah. know, if you think about if you think about the in store experience uh, with Apple, you don't get a poor cup of coffee um, and a and a quick five minute demo. You know what you get is a fantastic, delightful experience where you get the opportunity to browse. There's no pushy salesperson and there's recognition that you may not complete the purchase in store. You may mm-hmm. decide to go home and, and, and complete the purchase uh, in, your, you know, in your own time. Um, I think the, the other thing we haven't spoken about, uh, but I think it's also quite interesting, and I think we're, yeah. you know, we're going to see um, this decoupling of service departments from the retail stores. So um you know unfortunately you're going to use the apple example again but if you think about the apple no you're you're absolutely right sorry i can't think of a better example so go for it yeah 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 i mean you know the apple sort of genius stores where if you ask about an upgrade they'll tell you about the upgrade um you know and that essentially creates brand advocates or, or super fans but they don't they don't force you to do the upgrade and i think you know, if you think about, you know, let's take Tesla as an example, all the upgrades you can do to to a Tesla, you know, they're not going to ram those upgrades down your throat. But if you ask, they'll certainly outline the benefits and, and, and articulate those well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just in summary, benefits for the the customer. Why, why is it it obviously there's 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 savings there's there's rationalization there's better brand for the for the for the oems better brand representation for the oems yeah. yeah what's what's the summary of it for the customer what's in it for for you and i uh, as opposed to as opposed to brand a yeah so look the the, the reality is there's going to be moving forward much more transparency on pricing there is mm. those those days are where you go into a dealership you have the test drive and then you try to negotiate the best deal you know they they are unfortunately you know if you like doing a deal then you know you're not going to get the opportunity to do so much of that in the future but you know i think transparency of pricing um is 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 good um i think flexibility so understanding who you are and what you need a vehicle for is going to be key Mm -hmm. um because ultimately it's all going to come down to convenience and i think convenience also um it also um is reflected in you know we're seeing a lot of sort of 24 48 hour test drives being done um from your home so Mm. you know there's sort of a lot of these a lot of these oems are saying we know that 20 minutes is not a sufficient amount of time for you to be able to test drive a car and make a decision why do you keep it for 48 hours Use it with your family. Go shopping. Do whatever you do at the weekend, and then and then make a decision. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you know, for 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 me, it is all about um, it is all about convenience. Awesome, good, excellent, James. That's been really really interesting. That's that's been a fantastic. Pro- I think it's been more than a primer in this. I was going to say, um, but yeah, that's that's been really interesting and sort of set certainly set my mind thinking about different different 
different possibilities and, and where I hope that the world will go. Uh, hopefully it's the same for our listeners. If people want to find out more, what's the best way that they can do that? What's the best way that they can they can find find out what you guys do and, and potentially get in touch? Yeah, so um, obviously for anyone who's uh, interested in having a chat, uh, the first port of call is probably our website, uh, which is www.4-roads.com. It's good. Nice. It's a nice, easy one, folks. Nice, easy one. No, James, that's that's been absolutely brilliant, and thank you so much for so much for giving up some of your afternoon. Uh, Pleasure, thanks, to, Alan. To have a chat, it's it's been really good, and and hopefully our listeners will think so uh, as well. Great stuff. Anyhow, uh, until the next time, uh, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Uh, to get in touch with me, it's best to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-I-E-D-L-E-Y. And to get in touch with Andrew, uh, search for Cracked Windscreen on Twitter. We'll be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley, and safe motoring. <laughs>